This is the podcast by the Straits Times. Welcome to Green Pulse, a podcast series by the Straits Times, where we analyze the beats of the changing environment, from biodiversity conservation to climate change. I am Audrey Tan, and this is David Fogarty. And our guest today is Dr. David Wackenfeld, Chief Scientist at the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority in Townsville, in Queensland. Hi, Dr. Wackenfeld. Welcome to the show. Hi, David. Hi, Audrey, and many thanks for the opportunity to talk to you today. So, for the first time, severe bleaching has struck all three regions of Australia's Great Barrier Reef: the northern, central, and now large parts of the southern sector. From January to March this year, extremely high temperatures damaged or killed large numbers of reef-building corals. It is the third bleaching event in five years, and scientists say climate change is playing a direct role. So, Dr. Wackenfeld, the damage to the reef does sound quite extensive, and it comes after several other bleaching episodes quite recently. So, some listeners might be thinking, "Is the reef still worth visiting? Are there still the beautiful corals and the pretty fish, and just the abundance of life that we're so used to sort of thinking about or associating with the Great Barrier Reef? Is that still there? Is that something that people will still see if they go?" David, the short answer to that is yes, absolutely. I know that the Great Barrier Reef is famous for an abundance of marine life and incredibly beautiful seascapes, and the Great Barrier Reef still has those things. There's a few things that I think are important for people to understand. So, first of all, bleaching is a stress response of coral. Bleaching does not necessarily mean that the coral will die. Obviously, we're very interested in the coral that is bleached out there now on the Great Barrier Reef, and absolutely, it's not all of the coral on the Great Barrier Reef that is bleached. Some of that bleached coral is going to die, but some of it isn't going to die. And because of the travel restrictions and social distancing rules, we're not able to get out and do surveys that we normally would. So it will probably be quite some months before we have a better idea of the final wash-up of this bleaching event. So critically important: just because coral is bleached does not necessarily mean that it will die. Another thing that I want to emphasise, of course, is that most of the tourism sites on the Great Barrier Reef in this event in 2020 have not been severely bleached, which is a one bit of good news in an otherwise rather concerning situation. But most of the tourism sites on the Great Barrier Reef have not severely bleached in this event. And the obvious thing, of course, is that when you come to visit the Great Barrier Reef, it is a vast and remote wilderness area. Right? You don't just hire a car or a boat and go out into the Great Barrier Reef on your own. You go with a tourism operator. Those operators are extremely knowledgeable and extremely skilled, and they. Are able to take you always to see the best parts of what the reef has to offer. So, as a marine park manager, I am trying to look after a marine park that is bigger than two thirds of the countries on this planet, and that concerns me because climate change is damaging that overall ecosystem. But for a tourist who's coming to visit, you're not going to visit the entire Great Barrier Reef Marine Park. You'll go with an operator. They're going to take you to some of the best places. In particular, if you have an opportunity, go with a tourism operator who has one of our trained master reef guides, because I guarantee you that they will show you the best that the Great Barrier Reef has to offer, and they will also offer you an amazing educational and storytelling experience where you won't just have a great nature experience; you'll also have a great educational experience as well. So, for obvious reasons, we are concerned about the growing impacts of climate change on the Great Barrier Reef. We are very concerned about what the future will bring as climate change continues, and all of this represents a strong call to action for stronger action on global climate change. 
But in the meantime, there's still plenty of parts of the Great Barrier Reef that are absolutely amazing. They are beautiful. They are teeming with life. We have so much left here to protect and so much left here to come and visit and see. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Green Pulse on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or even on Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. Now, back to our discussion on the Great Barrier Bleach. So, Dr. Wackenfeld, time does seem to be running out for the Great Barrier Reef, given this is the latest bleaching episode, which probably hasn't quite got the headlines that it should have, because obviously the world is going through a more immediate crisis and a very dangerous crisis. But clearly, long term, there has to be action to try to save the Great Barrier Reef. So what are the main things that really should be done to try to preserve it for future generation? And do you think we're on track to succeed on that? So, David, unfortunately, at the moment, I don't think we are on the right track on the global side of that question. But nonetheless, there is time. And yes, we can succeed. So there's two critical elements to what will determine the future of the Great Barrier Reef. The first is what happens locally. So here on the Great Barrier Reef, we still have some sustainability problems. We have, for example, illegal fishing in some parts of our marine park, and we're working very hard to improve that. We still have some problems with water quality that is degraded by pollution from agricultural land and governments and communities are working with farmers to try and improve that situation and reduce pollution to the Great Barrier Reef. We have outbreaks, for example, of the crown of thorn starfish, which eats corals, and we're working very hard to control those. So one part of this puzzle about the future of the Great Barrier Reef is what can we do locally? We're working very hard locally on the local issues. But working hard on local issues, and this applies to reefs anywhere in the world, is not enough because at the moment, without question, the greatest threat to the Great Barrier Reef and the greatest threat to coral reefs around the world is climate change. The Paris Agreement certainly gives hope to future action that will create a world that could be sustainable for coral reefs, but we're not on track to meet the objectives of the Paris Agreement just yet. And so, It's really critical. We urgently need much stronger action to reduce greenhouse gas emissions globally and get us on track to meet the objectives of the Paris Agreement. There is still time for us to do that, but we need stronger action and we need it now. And you made a reference there, David, obviously to the current COVID-19 situation. And I really want to emphasize for people that tourism, which is particularly driven by the Great Barrier Reef, is an essential element of the economy in the part of the world where I live. In fact, the Great Barrier Reef generates about 64,000 jobs and $6.4 billion for the economy here in Australia. Mm. So without question, the immediate concern is the travel restrictions associated with the COVID-19 response. Those are obviously incredibly important and a very strong and responsible response to the virus. But at the same time, it puts enormous economic pressure on the tourism industry and the local communities that are living where the Great Barrier Reef is. We like to encourage people to come and visit the Great Barrier Reef. We have a a little saying that we say, see it, love it, protect it. In other words, if you come and visit the Great Barrier Reef, we pretty much guarantee that you will fall in love with it and that you will go home and want to protect it better. And as much as climate change is a huge global challenge, it also means that anyone anywhere in the world can be part of the solution. So we encourage people, obviously, once the COVID-19 travel restrictions are out of the way, Please come and visit the reef, see what an amazing place it is, and be inspired to go home and do more to protect it. And we think that that's the key to building enough global consensus and global action to delivering stronger action on climate change. 
So yeah, both of you mentioned the COVID-19 situation. And if anything, I think one more lesson that we can learn from this crisis is that when there's a will, there's definitely a way. And hopefully that would translate into you know, the fight against climate change after this blows over. So well, um, thank you, Dr. Wackenfeld, for joining us today. Thank you, Audrey. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Thank you very much. That's a wrap for Green Pulse, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.